Welcome to the Brentwood Church Audio Podcast. As always, you can jump on over to brentwoodchurch.org or your favorite social outlet where you can find Brentwood Church and see what God is doing in this community. Now let's take a listen to this week's teaching. How many of you have ever been staring down the barrel of a big storm or a big battle in your life? And that was sort of like your prayer life in that moment. You're wondering where God is. I want to talk to those of you who've been Christians for a long time. Maybe you grew up and your mom put penny loafers and a bow tie on you and took you to Sunday school. And man, you've been, you've been reciting the Lord's Prayer and you've been folding your hands and bowing your heads for a long time. But then all of a sudden you're staring down the barrel of a divorce. A divorce you don't want. And you're praying to God and you just get this wall. And I don't know if you look like Will Ferrell in that moment, but maybe something similar. Where are you, God? I want to hear from you right now. Or maybe it's a cancer diagnosis. And you're thinking, God, why? Why? I mean, there's, you, you always knew that you know, this life was, was mortal and, and limited, and, 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 and then all of a sudden the reality hits you. Or, or maybe you, 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 you've gone a year and a half, two years into trying to have a baby, and, and you keep getting the same answer. And that is, you can't get pregnant. Or on the flip side, maybe, maybe it's just an opportunity. You know, God, do I take this job or not? I mean, this is, this is the job that I've been dreaming about, and, and here it is. It's in front of me, but I feel this sense of hesitation. God, would you please just give me clarity? Would you give me direction? Or that guy... You know, you, you've been dating him for three months and, 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 and everything uh, on paper just seems great and wonderful. And, you know, he has this job and he goes to church and your family loves him. And, and yet, oh, I just don't know if I should go any further in this relationship. I think we've all been in a place with God. Now, listen. We understand that not everybody here is a Christian, and we want to be that kind of church where you can come here and you can wonder, you can be curious, and you can even critique and be skeptical. We believe that in time that the hospitality that Kevin already alluded to will help you warm up to some things that we believe and see in our life. But that's okay if you just kind of like us right now. But those of you who are followers of Christ, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're new or renewed in your faith. Maybe you're new in your faith. Like maybe within the last year, you finally got it. You know, the lights came on for you, uh, years of doubt, years of pushing God away. You finally just, you know, came to Christ and, and you get it and you, you understand it. Maybe you, you got baptized recently or you're renewed in your faith. Man, you lost your way somewhere down the, the, the line and man, you got far from God. You didn't even want to talk to God, but now you're back. And you're back and you're a part of his church. But you're not experiencing the big dreams and the big courage that some of these Christians that you admire and look up to seem to be cheerleading about. In fact, you would be honest and just say you feel kind of weak and intimidated when it comes to spiritual things. And it's really bothering you. 
Because you're told and you even read in the Bible about Jesus saying, hey, you can move mountains with just a small mustard seed of faith and a prayer life that matches it. Wow. And yet, very much like that scene, say something. Here's the good news. And this is what we're going to see today. And I want you to write this down. Jesus makes your prayer life fully empowered to seize every opportunity and face every battle in your life. I want to say that again. Jesus makes your prayer life. Jesus and the reality of Jesus Christ on a cross, his death and his resurrection, which empowers his Holy Spirit in you, that reality empowers your prayer life to do in your life what it did in his earthly life. Wait a minute, John, wait a minute. I mean, wasn't he God? Yes, but he was also fully human. Why else would he even pray? I mean, think about it. Why would Jesus need to pray if he didn't have the restrictions of a human life? But he voluntarily put on the restrictions of a full human life, all the weight of human emotions, all of the battles and storms that we face, all the opportunities that we may or may not seize. And yet he shows us how to pray audaciously, how to pray boldly, how to pray in a way that literally moves mountains, how to get through doubt and get through angst and a lot of heavy emotions. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. We are going to look at one of a few scenes in Jesus's life. I mean, there's a lot of them. We're going to look at one of the most epic and intense scenes where Jesus prays an audacious prayer. Verse 36, then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Some of you already know where we're going with this. Gethsemane, I'm going to talk about that in just a second. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and say this with me. One, two, three. One more time. One, two, three. Pray while I have a conversation with my heavenly father. While I pray, already, yeah, yeah, we've already talked about it. that. You know, that kind of bothers us. It's like, why did Jesus have to pray? But remember, he was a full human being. He took on all the restrictions of a human life, which means that for us to communicate with God, we pray. It is our most viable transaction with God in our soul and our heart. Yes, we sing, and yes, we give, and yes, we serve, and yes, we volunteer, and yes, we read his word. And God is all over that, and he communicates with us in that. But one of the most intimate places that we go to experience the power and the presence of God is in a prayer life. But here's, let's just be honest. A lot of Christians, people who go to church, especially in this community, we live in a very church community, we have these weak prayer lives. We pray these lazy or crazy prayers. Lazy, meaning apathetic or ritualistic. You know those prayers where everybody around you kind of knows what you're going to say? 
you know, hey, would you pray for us? Yeah. And, and they're in their mind going, okay, he's going to say this, and he's going to pray for his granny. He always prays for his granny. Oh, and he's going to say, he's going to talk about this. He's going to use that language right there. Oh, and he's going to quote that verse. And he always seems to end it like this. Lazy prayers. Redundant. Ritualistic. Apathetic. Crazy prayers. Random. Flippant. And yet Jesus shows us, hey, that's not going to be the kind of prayer that's going to move mountains. That's going to cause clarity and openness to the power and presence of God in our life. And so there is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane literally means oil press. It means to take the olives off of a tree and to press them into oil. Oil that was used in lamps. Oil that was used in food. So you get the symbolism there. In fact, I've been to the Garden of Gethsemane. That, this, the garden is still very much mysterious and, and eluding. I mean, it's, it's, if you go there today, you, you walk through it, and it's these, these kind of ancient trees, and it's a, it's a labyrinth and a maze, and so you can kind of get the scene that Jesus and his disciples were in. They're getting ready to face a really big battle. And Jesus is going to show what happens when we pray audaciously. And Matthew is going to show what happens when you don't. Because he's going to point out one dude's life in this, among a few others, who prayed a lazy prayer. Jesus, audacious, a guy named Peter, really lazy in his prayer. Both of them face the same battle, the same storm, but they respond to it completely different. Hang on to that for a second. Isn't it cool that you guys got to bring coffee into the, uh, the gym today? Those of you who are, who are JF people, you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, you can spill it if you want. It's, it's cool. It's fine. I, um, yesterday was meeting my wife in town, and uh, I was getting ready. Uh, I got the jeans out of the dryer. Don't you like when you get jeans out of the dryer? You get that nice warm feeling. Am I getting too, too, too open here? I just feel, I feel like singing that, that Oceans song right now when I think about that. So anyway, because I can walk on water. Anyway, I'm bulletproof. So I, get, I got my jeans on. You know, a clean shave, and I'm ready to meet my bride in town. Okay, and when I when clean clean shaven is like everywhere for me. Okay, I just feel good. You know, I go downstairs, and the coffee's already ready, so I pour it into a mug, and I go out into my Prius, which was which was designed by Japanese people. Okay, now this isn't inappropriate. Okay, but I don't think they drink coffee in Japan. Because they did not create a place for my mug. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, the handle. It's like if you, if you have a Prius, you know what I'm talking about. There's no, it, it, you, you cannot put, so you, I'm backing out with, with, my, with my, and I spill the hot coffee all over my lap on my newly washed jeans. And it's hot, 
I mean, scalding hot. And so I, I'm, you know, I'm doing that thing where first it's like, I'm in a lot of pain, but I'm wondering if my neighbors saw me right now. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it, it doesn't matter that you're dying. It's like, did anybody see me? How's my pride? So I'm, I'm okay, and I ended up thinking, you know, I should just go ahead and sue myself for this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people sue McDonald's for it all the time. But I felt ridiculous. I felt absolutely ridiculous, and I had to go in, and my father-in-law was there because he was going to be watching my kids while I went into town, and it looks like I have just wet my pants. <laughs> And, and I have to say, I, yeah, I spilled coffee all over me. You know, what happens when we start to acknowledge how flawed we are? We have to get past our pride. We have to get past our fears and begin to talk about things. Look what Jesus says to his disciples, verse 37. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I am hurting right now. I'm hurting men. Jesus is a man, a human man with all the restrictions of a human man. Yes, he's fully God, but he chose voluntarily to take on a full human life and feel all the human emotions that we feel. And guess what he did? Men, let's talk for a second. He felt them. Yep, he did. And then he expressed them to other men. Oh my goodness. I just spilled hot coffee all over me. I look like a child. My soul is overwhelmed and I am troubled. What would happen, men, if we just started just getting honest about the fact that we are falling apart inside and we need a limitless God who's crazy about us to put us back together. Like, I think if we acknowledge that, I think our gatherings would look different. I do. I think you'd see more men raising their hands when we, when we worship corporately. I think you'd see more men, you know, as they get around the circles in community groups opening up and just saying, you know what? I'm afraid right now. I'm scared right now. I don't feel like I have what it takes to be a good dad, to be a good husband. And to say it to other men. And right here in this moment, Jesus is just like, guys, I need you right now. I need you to be here with me. And and I think this is important if we're going to pray audaciously that we acknowledge before others that we need them to carry something with us in prayer. In fact, that's what Jesus says. Verse 38. Second part of verse, stay here and keep watch with me. Keep watch with you. You know what that literally means? Pray a long time with me. 
In fact, he even specifies, would you just pray an hour for, with me? Like evidently, even 2,000 years ago, without the distractions of all the things that we have technologically and, and in our culture, that was a big deal because we're going to see in just a second that an hour was just way too much to ask. But Jesus says to these men, these guys who are his bros, man, I'm feeling bad right now. I'm hurting. Would you pray with me for an hour? Would you keep watch with me? Would you pray audacious with me? Would you carry this with me? Man, what would happen if that took place in a church in this city? That not only do we meet in rows, but we meet in circles during the week. And if we just got, you know, just started... Just, just getting honest about these things and then, and then just expecting our brothers and our sisters to carry that with, with us and then expecting God to begin to move heaven and earth so that we could seize opportunities and we could face big battles in our lives with the assurance and the power that Jesus would end up with at the end of this scene. Like, do we believe that? Man, that would be audacious. But you know what? I believe that's who we're called to be. I do. If this church and the households in this church and the individuals in this church are going to begin an awakening here and then an awakening in this city, it's going to start with audacious prayers. Marriages that seem beyond repair, that we're just saying, God, I believe that you can heal. A guy I got a chance to, to pray with after the first service who has an autoimmune disease that no doctor can explain and he just comes up and he just says, you know what? I just want to, I just want to be healed. And I believe that. Like, man. Write this down. Don't expect big dreams and big courage, Christian, if you're not willing to pray with patience, persistence, and perspiration. This is where we sweat it out, Brentwood Church. This is where we go beyond, thanks for the meat, let's eat. In Jesus' name, amen. This is where we, where we just go, I know that I have to fight through the boredom and the distractions and the, and the, and the, and the redundancy of my weak, lazy, crazy prayer life and get to the other side where I start unloading the heavy emotions of my life before God and before my fellow brothers in Christ. And I just say, God, this is how I'm feeling. I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm stressed. I'm depressed. God, I don't know if I have what it takes. I need you in this moment. And we just start laying these things at the feet and on the shoulders of a holy God who is limitless and powerful and believe that he loves us so much. That he would give us the power, he would give us the perspective and the clarity to seize any opportunity that we won't fall apart when the opportunity comes. And to face any battle that if we got out of the boat, we would walk on water. That we, would, we could move the, the stern of that ship into the wave and into the wind and into the rain and know that we're going to get through it. 
My daughter turned 13 this week. <gasps> Pray for me. Yes, I bought a gun. No, I'm kidding. But so we did have a, um, a birthday party at our house this week, and it was fun. We had a great time, and we celebrated her, and a lot of her friends came over, and um, we gave her a special ring, and it was, just, it was a beautiful week. It was, it, was, it was fun. But as she turned 13, it reminded me of a almost lost memory. And this happens sometimes. You know, you have these traumatic moments in your life, and you pray through them, and you get through them, and you learn these things, and then, like, years pass, and, and they almost become almost legends. You know, it's like, yeah, I, something happened, I don't know, but... And then all of a sudden, pow, your daughter turns 13, and you're like, oh my, I remember this. I remember when she wasn't almost two, uh, sitting in a waiting room, and um, her pediatrician walks in and says to my wife and I, we, we want to test your daughter for cystic fibrosis. Now, for some of you who know about this disease, it's... Um, basically a disease that, that suffocates the person who has it on their own lung fluids. And this happens over time. It can happen oh, five years. It can happen over 10 years. It can happen over 20 years. Typically, somebody with this disease doesn't live past their 20s. But either way, it's terminal. And here, here I am thinking, okay, I'm a dad. She's not even two. And I've already, you know, thought about the day when she turns 13 and how I'm going to give her this ring. And I've thought about giving her away to her wedding. And I've thought about holding her children in my arms. I mean, you ever, does that ever happen? You're just, you're just walking through your life. It's a normal day. And you're carrying everything on your talent and your college degree and your business success and your competency in relationships, and, and, and you got your iPhone that's got all your reminders on it, and Netflix, and everything is just awesome. It's like everything's fine. I feel strong, and I had my coffee this morning. And, and then all of a sudden, pow, life is out of control. And you recognize that you are absolutely dependent you are vulnerable. You are just this little, little, little child being held by the hands of God. That's how I felt right then. And I think some of you feel that way right now. I think you're facing a big, a big storm. And you came here today and you didn't even know, you didn't even know. What, you started to check out, automate, whatever, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I'm, I'm here today because of this battle we're about to face or this opportunity that we need to rise to. And it's big and it's going to require big courage and big strength and big wisdom. So there I am. I'm in the waiting room and the doctor comes in and says, we want to test your daughter for cystic fibrosis. Okay, Wow. What does that mean? And he explains what that means. This is precautionary, but we feel like 
with her symptoms and the fact that you guys have been in here a lot with these same symptoms. You know, we just, we just want to rule this out, but it's going to be several weeks and this is what it's going to look like. And I remember, man, those several weeks of just going through this and it was, man, it was heavy. I was sorrowful and I was troubled. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And um, turns out she has really bad allergies. Okay, I'll take that. So right around this time of year, you know, she's sneezing and coughing and she has allergies to just about everything in life. You know, tree nuts and air. Okay. But for the most part, it's just annoying, you know? Okay, I'll take annoying. You know, I've got my 13-year-old girl who's a delight. But you know, it's those moments that cause us to be very much like Will Ferrell in that scene. Look at Jesus, though. Verse 39. Going a little farther. I think that is the vision of this church, honestly. We've been talking about that since January, going a little farther. That God is calling this church to be a church in this town that takes people to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. Well, what in the world does that mean, John? It just means we've never arrived and we're always going to be cranking up the temperature of new places that God wants to take us in our character, in our faith, in our prayer life, in our audacity, whatever that is. And here is Jesus modeling that. He says to Peter, James, and John, I want you to go a little farther with me. I want you to go a little bit farther with me. And I think that's where he's going to take some of you today. He's going to take some of you a little bit farther. He's going to say, look... Don't expect to move mountains. Don't expect big dreams and big courage if you're going to keep praying these crazy and lazy prayers. I love you. I forgive you. You'll spend eternity with me. That's already paid for. It's done. But you know what? I've got some audacious things that I want to do in your life. And if you'll just go a little farther with me and go a little farther with me and go a little bit farther with me, man, I will lay out some opportunities for you to seize and I will give you courage to move through some big storms in your life. Look at this. This is mind-blowing right here. Verse 39, he fell with his face to the ground. What a posture of dependency and desperation. This is the Son of God who's taken on the full limitations of a human man. And look what he does. He falls on his face. And this is what he's saying to us 2,000 years ago. This is audacious prayer. This is audacious prayer. How many, men, how many times, how many times have you fallen on your face? If you haven't ever fallen on your face in desperation, let Let that be a challenge to you. In fact, let your children find you in a face plant of prayer. And they'll be like, what's wrong with daddy? And you can tell nothing's wrong with daddy. I've got big courage and big dreams. Sit down. I got to let you know them. 
and blow their mind. Speak destiny into their hearts because it's coming from something supernatural and beyond you. Man, oh, weep with them at the breakfast table as you hear baptism videos that rock your soul. Man, what would happen if we unleashed that on an unsuspecting public? We could change the world. My father, Jesus says, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. He appeals. He appeals. It's okay to appeal. It's okay to say, God, I don't want this. I don't want this burden anymore. I don't want to get a divorce. I, I, don't, I don't accept this, God. I don't want to have cancer. I don't want my wife to have cancer. God, I, I want, we want to have a baby. God, I don't, I don't like that we're dealing with infertility. Just start appealing to God and start unloading heavy emotions. Heavy emotions on God. He can handle it. In fact, not only can he handle it, and we talked about this last week, he can even handle our immaturity and our selfishness as we just start unloading on. He can sift through all of that, but I think sometimes we're afraid to pray like that. What if I offend God? You've already offended him. Your life is an offense to him because you've sinned, but he loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus to wipe that away. And to say, no, you are my child. And I've given you the power and the presence of your heavenly father. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came not only to model it, but he came to make it possible on a cross. Here it is again. Jesus empowers your prayer life to seize every opportunity and to face every battle in your life. Here's here's what we have to do, though. We have to pray like Jesus. We have to pray like Jesus. And Jesus got on his face, and he made it an appeal to God, and this is what he says, but he will always align us. I'm sorry. May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Write this down. God the Father will listen to our appeals, but he will always align us with his will. Mark Batterson wrote this. Prayer is the way we escape the gravitational pull of the flesh and enter God's orbit. It is is the way we escape our atmosphere and enter his space. It is the way we overcome our human limitations and enter the extra-dimensional realm where all things are possible. Without prayer, there is no escape. Isn't that so true? That if we don't pray audaciously, we will continue, even as Christ followers for years, we will continue to operate and make decisions and have relationships based on our five senses. And they will stay stay in the same stuck, broken places that they always... And yet, God has given us all of this. And we don't tap into it through the power of prayer. Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for an hour? An hour? 
Just pray for an hour this week. Like one hour straight. Well, just, just try it. Will you get bored? Yeah. Will you start looking at the coffee stain on your carpet for, for about five minutes? Yep. Hmm. I wonder how that got there. Hmm. Reminds me. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? Yeah, because you're a human and you have five senses. But you know what? Persist and perspire through the distractions and the boredom and the laziness and get to the other side of it and go, but you know what, God? I have these heavy feelings and I have these heavy doubts and I need to unload them before you right now. I need to appeal to you right now. And what is the promise? The promise is that we have the empowerment to seize every opportunity and face any battle. We have it. It's in there. It's already there. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He's like, he's appealing to Peter. He's saying, Peter, listen, you're getting ready to face one of the biggest battles of your life to either deny me or to support me. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that true? Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's what we battle with every day. And that's why audacious prayer is so necessary for us. It's, 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 it's looking at Jesus' life and going, okay, how did he do it? He, he had all of the limitations that I have, all the restrictions that I have as a human being. And so he, he got through the heavy emotions. He loaded them on God. He opened himself to the clarity that God would bring. And it brings us to a comparison. In fact, I want us to look at it for a second. How did Peter pray? Lazy and in the flesh. How did he stand in the trial? He ran and he hid. How did Jesus pray? Audaciously and in the spirit. How did he stand in the trial? He was unbending and obedient unto death. How do some Christians pray things and it just seems to happen in their life? It's because they have learned how to pray like Jesus. But why do so many Christians, I mean people who have read the Bible backwards and forward, people who live relatively moral lives, I mean people go, you know what, that's a pretty moral guy. They go to church week after week and yet they still pray in the flesh. These manageable prayers with a manageable God that does manageable things. Why? When right there in our prayer life Jesus on a cross and resurrected from the dead has placed the power of God to move mountains. I want to invite you today to pray audaciously, to begin this in your life. Man, if you're already praying this way, you are about to jump out of your seat right now because you're like, yes. A couple weeks ago, 
my wife came into uh, to the office where I, in our home, and we were getting ready to go out of the country. And uh, she said, I don't know where my passport is. I've looked for a week. And now, you know, you can't even go to Canada without a passport. You, know, you can't go to Alaska or Texas, you know. And they require it in Texas. And so if she doesn't find her passport in 24 hours, then we don't leave the country and have an amazing week without our kids. <laughs> and so she, she, she said, I don't know what to do. She goes, I've looked everywhere, and I've looked in the car, you know, looked in here, blah, 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 everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And I just said, you know what? Have a seat. Let's pray right now that God will enable us to find that passport in 15 minutes. Like, like, what if, like, what if he doesn't? Like, what, like, what if it's like 20 minutes? <laughs> like, have you ever just put, just, just drawn this line, just like appeal to God, like, boom, there, do it, make us have a baby, and I'm gonna get started. Right now. <laughs> so we prayed. And I just, I mean, I prayed. I mean, I was just praying. I said, God, would you allow her to find her pastor? Like, why would any, I mean, there are people starving in the world. There are so many bigger things, right, that I should be praying about. 15 minutes. God, would you pray? So that was that. We prayed. Amen. She left. I continued to do what I was doing. 12 minutes later, she comes back with her passport in her hand. Look what I found. Boom. Right there. And you know what? It was beautiful because you know what? She looked in the same spot she had looked a gazillion times. And it was upside down on a blue book, and it looked like the book. She went to that same place, turned it upside down, and found it in 12 minutes. Now, here's what I know. Some of you are like, yeah, whatever. But some of you are like, man, why don't I pray that way? And look, I don't tell you that way because I always show up and pray audaciously and it always happens that way. I tell you that because I expect that of God. He's either going to change, he's either going to change what I beg for, okay, and give me what I'm meant for. Or he is going to align me with his will. But I am always, always, always going to make big appeals. Why would I not? He promises me that. And I pray that for you right now. I pray that you will pray big prayers. Big prayers. And I want to give you the opportunity to take that posture right now. As the band comes, you know what? Maybe, maybe lying on a gym floor face down is not what you want to do today. I get it. That's, that's fine. 
but maybe you want to get on your knees, you know, as, as other people rise to sing. Maybe this is just a moment where you just want to get on. Or maybe you just want to put your, 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 your face in your hands. I don't know. Whatever that posture of desperation. Maybe you just want to lift your hands. Maybe as we stand to sing, you just want to lift your hands high. And just in a moment of desperation and appeal to God, put it all out there. God, I don't, I don't know what to do, and I need you right now. I need your clarity. I need your guidance. I'm scared. My faith is weak. My flesh right now is in the way. Just let him take you to that place. Pray audaciously. Stand with me, or you can kneel, or you can sit. But pray. Pray.